0: Florida here from healing networks An uncommon dialogue is the name of the podcast that we've decided to launch Um, So I have a gentleman here named Andrew Eggleton that I've invited to come and have a you know freelance um, Open Conversation about Andrew's work where he's been and what he's seen so Andrew welcome
1: Thank you. Thank you for holding the space for me.
0: Oh good any time what if, What are you doing, Andrew? Where have you been? What have we seen? <laughs>
1: that's, um, that's, that's, a, that's a big loaded question to ask a <laughs> middle-aged man. Um, look, I've just moved to Melbourne. I moved over here in May. From, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd spent six years in, in Bali.
0: yeah,
1: And that was on the back of, I guess, burning out in the entertainment industry in New Zealand. I was producing TV and radio and I was um, doing a lot of public speaking and uh, acting and TV presenting. Mm. So I started out when I was 20 and 23 years later, something interesting has just happened. I I was was hosting a TV series three weeks ago and we had this guest on and it was was like an interview Mm -hmm. and his name was Mark. And something clicked, and I had one of those little aha moments. And I realized that in my 20s, before I'd even had a job as a presenter, that there was a gut feeling that I wanted to change the way people present.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is before I'd even had a job. Yeah. I couldn't, I, I didn't know, I didn't even have the tools to be able to understand what that even meant to present. Then in my 30s, when I was, I guess, on a roll and, and, working full time, when I was in front of the camera, I wanted to give the audience more. I wanted to change the way people presented and I wanted to give them more, the whole picture. If they were going to judge me, I Mm -hmm. wanted them to be able to have the whole package to be able to judge me by So there's a lot of dissatisfaction in the way that I presented. That I'd go home and I'd be like, this, when the camera rolls and I stand in front of camera and smile, and say my lines there was something that was still empty inside me you then you forward through again into my early 40s and the penny has dropped that i'm doing exactly what my little feeling in my gut was saying in my 20s i'm teaching people to present in a way that is incredibly unique so I, i call it the heart of presenting but you could very well just call it the art of connection yeah so So I drop people from, I get people out of their heads and into their hearts when they're, when they're presenting live speaking or speaking to camera. Yeah. And it's connecting, being able to have an experience in a room with somebody where you're, you're shifting hearts and minds by being genuinely as much of yourself as you can Mm -hmm. possibly be. Yeah. In some ways it's an unlearning it's not a learning you're actually unlearning you're learning all the little tools that you've used to protect yourself and Mm -hmm. allowing yourself to just be
0: yeah do you find what just going back to what you were saying before about you know the 20 year old andrew and starting out and um and and going and beginning this journey of yours and and when you said about how you know you, yes, you're smiling. Yes, you're presenting, but you'd walk away with this kind of feeling like oh, that didn't really match up. That mm. feeling, would you identify that as obviously something missing? And that missing part was probably um, learning how to be authentic. Do you think that you had yeah. to that part or not yet identify it in order to identify it now later on in your
1: career? Yeah, the, the, the art of being authentic, I mean, I know it's, it's like a bit of a buzzword and some people right. don't like it. I, I personally love it. It's not the word's fault that anyone's mm-hmm. using it. The authentic, there's, there's something happens when you're, when you're completely authentic. You don't have to use as many words mm-hmm. because when you're tuning up as your whole self, your audience will feel everything you've been through. Do you know what I mean? There's a depth to you. There's a depth of character. There's a, there's a, just an unknown thing that they don't know what's happened, but they um, they, they feel the energy.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, it's, a, it's a nice place for me of, to have got to because what I find is a lot of people I teach want to justify their, their, their sense of worth on stage by how much pain they've been through.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's not
1: necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. They, they
1: feel like the pain they've been through allows them to justify their worth and connect with the audience Mm -hmm. and it's just not like that when you show up completely whole, your audience will feel that then you can get straight into the good stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In saying that, I suppose that whole media presenting um, space and industry, can obviously be quite a superficial space as well. Would you say that say with a certain amount of masks, maybe some people feeling like they have to put on a particular personality or change their particular energy. I mean, there's always going to be a level of change. Is it quite common for people to wear masks that would prevent them from being authentic and connecting with their audience?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 the mask comes from a place of what they perceive the, the audience is wanting. Mm-hmm. This, is, this, is my, this is how I perceive that you are wanting me to turn up and so you turn into that person. Yeah. And what you're relying on then is the technical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and the technical can be learned and that's what people in general learn they want to they want to know the ins and outs the technical blueprint of being a good presenter yeah. but I don't teach that that's not my foundation yeah my foundation is the heart the intuition and the technical aligned mm-hmm. because we're moving into the technical reliance was very 80s and 90s and mm-hmm. noughties <laughs> We're coming into 2018 mm-hmm. where people more now than ever are looking to connect. Yep. It's the, it's the connection. Mm-hmm. And very soon when you do workshops, when you do talks, it's not a, so much about the information. It's about the experience and how you made someone feel. So yeah. you as a personality and the, the feeling that was generated, the experience that, 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 that people had, you know, are you shifting hearts and minds?
0: yes awesome it comes back it's it's wonderful that you're saying that that we're moving into a time where connection is more evident and necessary than ever and each and every one of us is you know slowly waking up to to the realization that that's that's something that's been missing, um, not just in your industry but in many industries and in many different mm. lines of work, in any form of expression. I think for a long time we've been um, speaking our minds rather than speaking our hearts. We've been speaking to the minds of others, which which is okay. But I think if it, doesn't, it isn't backed up with that heart-to-heart connection, then you're missing that feeling, you're missing the energy, and you're missing the impact that it can have. There's yeah. one awesome thing that you mentioned about, and you used the word intuition, and I'm really interested to know, I suppose, where and at what point um, within yourself and what point in your life and within your career did you realise that that was a vital tool for you?
1: Do you know what, For free- I've only really just figured out what a powerful tool it is
0: mm-hmm. in the
1: last two years wow yeah. yeah yeah and it's it's i use it now as, as it's certainly one of my strengths i'm able to feel in a, i'm able to feel in a room
0: mm-hmm. i'm able
1: to work with people very uniquely is that there's the the unique piece of art that they are because i feel into that one person when i'm working yeah and it allows me too to understand when someone's on edge in a room because I will get anxious and it's that intuitive nature just now going, that's not me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't get nervous when I run this stuff. So who, who, who's not ready in here? Who's not grounded yet in here that I have to work with just a little bit longer to settle them down and then we can start?
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing what you've just said. So you're focusing less on what it is that you have to deliver initially until you figure out... Um, who in the room needs what.
1: Yes. And then once you yep. figure
0: out intuitively, which is through vibration, energy, feelings, this is all the same stuff, and then identifying what it is that they need and then catering and tailoring your lessons, your teachings and your coaching to get them the results that they need.
1: It is. It's the ability to work moment to moment to moment in a room and allow the audience to guide you to what's next.
0: Mm. how long have you been doing workshops for andrew
1: i've been doing workshops for a little while but only really intensely this year has been super intense yeah so i i I have run them in before and and down the line but it used to be i was hired by talent agencies to go in and teach their students Mm -hmm. Uh, and sorry their talents so i'd I'd, I'd get them all geared up for auditions and and lift up their commercial side so their their talent would get more bookings. Mm-hmm. But what I was finding with that was I wasn't getting an immediate results because they were walking out better presenters, but then they might not get an audition for six months. Yeah. So there was a sense of that that was, I wasn't enjoying so much. Mm-hmm. And then I got an opportunity to go teach at a, um, uh, a retreat in Bali and, and I was working with entrepreneurs. And what I discovered was I was very good at getting people super clear on their message. Mm, and
0: yeah.
1: then that became my little secret weapon. And then the more I delved into it, the more I got deeper and deeper and deeper, the more I realised that it wasn't just the message, it was how they were tuning up to deliver that message and g- creating a sense of trust and connection with the audience that, was, that could only be unique to them.
0: Mm-hmm. So as it falls in, uh, into alignment with the saying... It's not what you say, it's how you say it, really. Yes, isn't it? The
1: audience, it is, it is. It's, you, you know, you have to be the example of what you speak of. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to have people follow, do what I do, not what, you know. But the audience will only go as deep or as far as you're willing to go yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's about leading by example and willing to go to uncomfortable places because presenting e- is not easy for everyone. And it wouldn't come naturally to everyone either. So I suppose it's about just willing to, yeah, I suppose take your inner self to uncomfortable places and be bold and, and um, push yourself, I suppose, and be vulnerable um, and to show that vulnerability to the students, I suppose, yeah. so then they can feel comfortable doing so as well.
1: Well, that's, that's the thing. And I have a, I mean, I, I feel like I have a nice self-depreciating sort of sense of humour when I'm working. I do make it light. And mm-hmm. I, I cr- try to create, create a sense of play. So we take away that we take away that having to feel like you have to get up and nail it. I, mm-hmm. I like to lower the bar for people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not unusual for me to go, I just want you to go out there and be really shit. <laughs>
0: you know, it's,
1: it's okay. You can, you can screw this up. I'm giving you permission to screw this up. Yeah. And if you're a one out of ten, well, that's just where we begin the journey. That's where your journey begins. If you're a one, let's get you into a two, three, four. Yeah. If you're a nine, let's get you a nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's all it is. And, you know, the only person that makes it hard for, for us is ourselves, of course. Definitely.
0: Andrew, I'm interested to know some of the um, interesting and colourful characters that you may have worked with over your career. What are some interesting and out there characters that you've managed to, I suppose, either work with or collaborate with?
1: I've had some funny scenarios, I'm, 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 I'll tell you a, little, a few stories, get to know me a little bit. Yeah. Um, my first ever job was actually working with Michael J. Fox and my, and Peter Jackson in a, in a movie called Frighteners. Mm-hmm. And I remember, this was my first ever job, you know, I'd done lots of little bits and pieces up until that job, uh, up until then, lots of photography work, but I hadn't had a job on set, on or, or, or something that size. And... We uh, hung out with these guys. I was trying to act cool and um, they decided to smoke a joint at at, at um lunch. Oh, and I thought, oh, okay, why not? You know? Mm-hmm. So of course I went back onto onto set and got so paranoid <laughs> and instead of my, my I, was, I had to walk across this road from behind a building across the road. It was pretty basic. Mm-hmm. And I was so paranoid. I kept on, I kept on hiding behind the wall when, when Peter Jackson was calling action. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, in the end, they actually pulled me aside and told me to go home. So that was my first <laughs> ever job. Um, who of us, worked, I worked with Ryan Gosling when he was fresh out of the Mickey Mouse Club.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what was um, that experience like? What did
1: you do there? That was on a TV series called Hercules.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the most interesting part about Ryan Gosling, and he would have been 18 then, fresh out of Mickey Mouse Club with uh, Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears, etc., and Justin, not Justin, Justin Timberlake. Ah,
0: Just, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: The, the, the thing that still sticks out today was his maturity level of being able to communicate so effortlessly with adults. Oh, wow. Like, I would have been 24, he was, would have been 18. It was way easier for him, to, it felt like it was easier for him to communicate with the director, the producer, the, you know, the cameraman than it was to the other people who were his peers. So mm-hmm. I played his, like, right-hand man, a little henchman, and that, was, that was, like, it was his maturity level for an 18-year-old.
0: Yeah. So would you say that he held or sustained a level of emotional intelligence? Would it be
1: emotional intelligence? One is responsibility. He had already, I, I, in hindsight, he had, he was very used to having a sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. He grew up uh, in Disneyland. I kid you not. They he, he, they lived at Disneyland, and they used to get home homeschooling in Disneyland. I mean, that's got to be a crazy lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. When he was the leader of the Mickey Mouse Club, it was an international TV series. Um, way back then, he had a sense of responsibility, like a child star. That probably it takes other people, a, no, a, a lot longer mm. to, to to really understand what that actually body means. And probably yes, emo, emotional, um, emotionally intelligent. But I think it was just being around that those kind of people, you know, being around those people that rubbed off on you and going, this is this is normal. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to be a star, this is how you act. I mean, he would have had incredible lessons and mentors around him and coaches, and this was a long time ago. You know, this was, yeah, it would have been 1997. Yeah, yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah, hmm.
0: yeah. Um, did you always know, Andrew, that this is this was the work that you wanted to do? Is that something that you knew from quite young, or did you just
1: fall into it? I knew around about 20 that I wanted to be on TV. Mm-hmm. And then there was that little gut feeling that we talked about of wanting to change the way people present. And if I was going to do this, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be an act, just an actor. I didn't want to be just a presenter. I wanted to leave my legacy or leave my mark on things and on people. And that was really important to me. And it's still important to me now. And it's only just in the last couple of months that I now am, I feel freely comfortable to say out loud that I'm going to change the way people present. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Whereas before it would, it would be like, I'd be afraid people would think that it was coming from my ego or mm-hmm. that it was, but it's not. It's coming from this place in me that has a burning desire that knows that this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm meant to do. And if I don't do this, I'm not, I'm, I'm not living at the core of myself
0: It's interesting that you mentioned earlier that you really only kind of, I suppose, got in touch or discovered your intuition in the last two years. Is it just more that it's always been there and it was just unidentified, I suppose?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I suppose that, that,
0: yeah, that ability to connect. You're
1: just not knowing what it was. Mm. You know, when people talk about intuition, I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I was intuitive, which I, I, ha- I always really have been, I didn't know what that actually meant until just recently. And, this, and something that I, I recently came up with really is that intuitive for me is not having to meditate on it because you already knew.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know,
1: there's a, there's a funny thing, and I, and, and, and I apologize if this is what you do, but a lot of people will go, I'm going to feel into that. I'm just going to meditate on that for a while. Now, for me, this isn't only my personal opinion. Of course, I feel like if you have to meditate on it, you've already missed the beat, and you're and you're doubting yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when people go, "I've meditated on it, Andrew, and I don't think your your workshop's right for I me," mean, I'm like, "How is that even possible?" You knew, mm. and all your meditation did was take you to an answer that you felt comfortable with. Yeah, you knew as soon as you called me or we spoke or you saw this, that you wanted to go and then you talk yourself out because you're scared yeah. or that it was too challenging or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, and that's just me. That's just my personal opinion. But as soon as I doubt my intuition, that's when I realize I've, I'm not trusting myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, that what you've said there is actually very, very valid. And absolutely. I think, you know, intuition is something that you, is a, is a system or an internal compass that allows you to identify what it is that you need to identify and know instantaneously. It's usually when the mind gets in the way of things. Our mind's full of static noise and full of all sorts of things bouncing around in there and that's when meditation itself can be beneficial i don't meditate on things because i operate from the heart less less head Mm -hmm. more heart um if it feels right then i go i say yes even though my head might be saying you know what the fuck are you doing Mm. (laughs) do you know what the heart's saying something else we're going to go there um and and, you know and it requires balance and i suppose you know each and every one of us operate differently so to some that might be necessary for them to meditate, on. Mm. but I think it definitely you've made a valid point that it does take you away from being intuitive. Um, it takes you away from doing what you think you know you need to do or want to do. It's just the mm. mind that's stepping in and confusing you, and making
1: sense. yeah. I mean, that's just my personal that's my personal opinion, for. You, that it's just more, I I see people doing that, and I think you've you've second guessed yourself as soon as you you start meditating on it. You knew before that
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: what intuition is. Mm -hmm. It's like an instantaneous, this is how you're feeling. You're recognising this or not? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Andrew, if people wanted to um, connect with you and attend one of your workshops and um, get amongst your work, how Mm. can they do so? How can they get connected with you? How can they find you online?
1: They can find me online at my website, which is really simple, andrewegleton.com. And Andrew Eggleton presenting coach is my Facebook page, and my Andrew Eggleton is my Instagram page. And I have my last tour for 2017 coming up, mm-hmm. which starts in Adelaide, November the 11th, which is my one of my favorite cities to go to to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have Melbourne on the 25th of November, mm-hmm. um, Gold Coast on December the 9th, and somewhere in there. I wasn't going to do Sydney, but I I, I kind of have enough people that I, I need to go there now. And it'll be end of November, start of December. And this is probably the last time I'm going to do these one-day workshops is in next year things are going to look a little bit differently where I want to be teaching people over a longer period of time, three to six months. So more um, ongoing mentorship. Yes, it is because I, I as much as I... I can lay a really beautiful foundation for people in a day, especially when I only have six people maximum in the class. I I get a, a really big shift. But for me, the real reward also comes from spending eight weeks, twelve weeks, or six months with somebody where there's this massive change in them. Mm-hmm. You know. And then then they they appreciate your mentoring even more because they see how much it's affected their lives. Yeah, for you know, sure. Yeah, their, their business and everyday communication yeah mm. awesome
0: yeah excellent so Andrew, just quickly before we wrap up what types of people do you think or who should we be speaking to who, who would your courses suit what kind of people what kind of businesses
1: so the businesses that want to speak basically one to many so if you're hosting workshops then you know i teach people how to present the camera mm. and how to and how to speak in public so the presenting to the camera, the Facebook Lives and the videos that we make, they're great drivers to get people to your workshop. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to stand on stage and present. So it's, it's, it's for small business owners and entrepreneurs who really want to speak one to many, like yeah. via you know, getting business fire, speaking to camera, and of course, when you're doing workshops and getting on stage, doing TED Talks, that kind of thing. But the reality is, and this is what I love, is Learning how to communicate or connect and how to present, how to make your message nice and clear, helps you in everyday life.
0: So pretty much anyone and everyone that wants to be able to, I suppose, yeah, speak authentically from the heart. And I suppose that's why um, I really love the name of your, I suppose, workshop or movement there, you know, the heart of presenting.
1: Yeah. So that... For the heart of presenting is, is for me, it's there's there's three primary elements, and that is your your brain, which is the technical, Mm -hmm. your heart, which is the source. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the source of everything that's coming out—the love, the vulnerability—and it affects your voice. And then there's the intuition, which is the third primary element, which is your presence, the ability to work moment to moment to moment to be able to trust what's happening and connect with your audience and feel that power which comes from the connection
0: yeah awesome and i can absolutely um testify to that obviously being one of your being at one of your workshops so hands down 100 percent. that's absolutely what you do thank you so much andrew for sharing all of that that was really valuable um, no, it's my pleasure yeah cool and um hopefully we'll see you on another podcast at healing networks an uncommon dialogue again